Well, hello there and welcome back to Inspiring African Travel. This is James here and I'm very, very sorry to say that it is our final episode of this series. Sorry, had to be done, I'm afraid. We've got a lot of travel shows coming up in the next few weeks. I'm off to Botswana. We've also got a, an exclusive event happening at the Desert and Delta headquarters in Botswana. I'm sure you're going to hear about that. So we're going to take a little break until early June. However, this is a really special episode because we've got Julia back in the mix. I know she's been behind the scenes running a lot of things, um, but it's really super to hear her voice. We couldn't do an interview talking about Tanzania without Jules. It just wouldn't have been the same without her. So super excited to have her back on. In this episode, we're talking to Katie McDonoghue, who works with Explore Inc. in Colorado, a beautiful little place called Steamboat Springs. And she very kindly came on to talk about her recent educational trip to Tanzania. As a series is all about, you know, talking about 2022 as the year of traveling to Africa. We've all been about getting people on to talk about the opening of the borders and traveling within Africa after the pandemic. So it was great to have her on because she's fresh off the plane and was able to give her side of things, how the operators are doing on the ground and just a real nice taste. Her first trip back to Africa since the pandemic. So before we climb into this trip and this interview with Katie, uh, just time for us to catch up with Stuart for a little pre-episode chat. So enjoy this. Hello. There he is. There he is. How's it going? Look who I've got. Hey, Sue. What's happening, man? How are you doing? Good. How are you? Well, like her, man. Good to see you. Likewise. It's been a while. You've made an appearance. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> you had to bring in an episode for Tanzania to, to get me excited. Oh. It was the Tanzania episode. Mm. <laughs> uh, awesome, man. How are you guys doing? You signed up, dudes. We're doing a 28-day um, food challenge, as in we've ordered everything, we're ordering everything in. So we're clearing out our kitchen. No, uh, and then you, you bring it, you know, you order it with these companies that, that everything, every meal is prepared and everything. It's like an intermittent fasting 28-day challenge. Is this subtly uh, aimed towards uh, you, or is it a Bron and yeah. Stu thing? No, I think it's. I think it's Stuart needs to be fit forty, not fat forty. So. <laughs> okay, Fair so enough. you're going on a month, a, a month uh, hectic diet. Yeah, with Botswana in the middle. How's that looking? That's that's going to be an issue. I'm not sure how you'll achieve that. Yeah, I don't know. Well, those few days will be a mess, right? Well, it's starting okay. with a glass of red wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, how are you going to avoid GNTs at sunset in Botswana? Yeah, that's the problem, man. Eh? James it's, is going to make it's a it's a work trip. We don't just booze yeah, okay. the whole time during the work trip. Yeah. You don't drink at all. Though. I know. You <laughs> <laughs> still got to sneak in the GNT. It's um, yeah. almost impossible to have sunset without one of those. Almost impossible. Almost impossible. Um, impossible. 
I had a productive weekend, done a lot of uh, organizing of things that need to go back with me and things that don't, and uh, did all the domestic things that I didn't have to do in Botswana, like mow the lawn and do the hoovering. My God. The hoovering? Yeah, dude. Is that your once a month hoover of the, of the lounge? What? Once a week? He, wish no, he wishes no, it's once a month. Got no domestic help here, my friend. I know, it's rough. Huh? It is rough. <laughs> The challenge is real here in the UK. <laughs> Life in the UK is tough. Man. Yeah. <laughs> and the, um, the travellers, I think is the correct term, not gypsies, have uh, camped out on the, uh, this open common and uh, started a fun fair. So we've really? had a weekend of screaming kids on the common and fun fair yeah. rides. And time and time again, on repeat, it seems, they keep playing Shurs. Do you believe in love after life? It's like, it's a, it's a fairground classic track, apparently. Nice. Been in my head the whole freaking weekend. <laughs> that, it's, uh, quite, it's quite funny because James just starts singing these random songs. And <laughs> like, why are you singing this? Like, where are you coming from? He's like, I bloody just heard it from the, yeah. <laughs> from the fun fan. Because he was singing like Greece. Oh, songs from Greece. That's crazy. Where did you hear this Greece song and why are you singing? Oh, and another fun fair classic is The Cause. Yeah. Oh, the good old classics cause, there. Yeah. Give us some of your Shlishlui highlights. You went to Shlishlui yeah. Game Reserve uh, a couple mm. of weeks ago. How, how was it? Very good, huh? Very good. It was uh, obviously with the floods uh, and all of that. It was so the first two nights we stayed were pretty wet. It's obviously the bush is very thick because of all the rain. And we were a little bit worried <clears throat> on the Monday that, that the Black Umfalosi River was going to flow over the bridge there because it, the water hit the, bot- hit the bottom of the bridge, which is quite hectic, you know, because when we drove, when we arrived there, it was, uh, when did we get there on the Sunday? It was well below the bridge because I just, I knew it had been raining a lot. So I just took note of that. And then the next day we went over that bridge again and the river had swelled to the point where the water was almost touching the bottom of the bridge. I started to get all these messages from family and stuff saying, oh, you guys in KZN, are you okay? Everything okay? Because we were, you know, we didn't check the news at all on the floods. We just, uh, we were just kind of checking out, you know, and, and trying to enjoy the bush. So I, I wasn't even aware of, as to how bad it was. And then, um, and then after I noticed the river, obviously the river, and then people messaging me, I was like, sure, there's obviously there's a lot more rain further south than what we had anticipated. Tell our avid listeners uh, where Shlishlui is. So it's about three hours, uh, depending on what kind of car you drive, north of Durban in, and then just inland um, from the coast. So you pretty much drive straight up from Durban, you drive straight up the N2 highway to um, Shishlui, the town of Shishlui, and then you just go left off the highway and then you kind of into the, that's the northern entry, entrance into the park. Hmm. So we stayed on the Umfalozi side uh, in, a, in a little camp called Nsoweni, which is a, it's like a satellite camp. So I, I don't know if you know, like sand parks do it a lot. They have their main sand parks camps and then they have these little satellite camps. So there's a lot less rooms in those satellite camps. There's no... There's no restaurants or anything like that. So it's a little bit more of a bush vibe, which is quite cool. Nice little, nice little shallows. And then um, 
yeah, cool on the river, nice views. So yeah, really nice. So. And what makes it special, um, Shishlui? Interestingly, so Shishlui is actually the oldest proclaimed nature reserve in Africa. I don't Amazing. know if you knew that. Yeah. Proclaimed Inspiring African travel fact of yeah. the day. Fact of the day. Established 1895. Hmm? Wow. Yeah. So it's actually, a, it's actually and, and also obviously from a, for those people who know about the rhino issues and stuff in, in Africa, it Shishlui played a massive role in, in protecting rhino conservation around the years 2008, I think. I think in 2008, they said they had the highest, uh, the reserve with the highest population of rhino. Uh, so, like, they, they were instrumental in saving the rhino in 2008. What's that noise uh, in the background? It's my dog dropping rocks on the floor. Jesus. <laughs> It's a, it's a really nice park. I mean, I think in terms of the game viewing, uh, everyone knows it can be a bit hit and miss. I mean, we had really, we had really good sightings of general game. Um, we didn't see lion or anything like that. We, we just missed cheetah on the one day. But also, you know, our, our game drive structure wasn't like a normal game drive because we obviously have Aiden with us. I mean, we, we definitely left. I mean, Howard, if you think about it, you know, he lives in Australia. He hasn't been to the bush in three, four years. And he spent, we spent four nights there and he left there feeling like he had really had had his, his bush um, experience. So, you know, that, that was great. Awesome. What was your yeah. sighting of the trip? Yeah, there were some really good rhino sightings. Obviously, we don't uh, deal with rhino sightings too much. Such a sensitive thing. Um, and then uh, from a birding sighting perspective, we watched a batelier in the road having a bath in one of the pools. And I just... You know, we did that classic where you watch it from a distance, then you we crept a little closer, crept a little closer, and crept. A little, eventually, we were photographing it with a cell phone, which is pretty cool. You know, like oh. from a you see a battalier like that. That was it was really cool. Like doing the whole head in the water, shaking the body. You know, that kind of thing. It was really cool. That was probably one of the best sightings. Obviously, Jules wanted to tell you that it is in fact a short-tailed eagle, but we'll 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 accept battalier. <laughs> okay. Thank heaven. <laughs> I didn't even, I completely forgot about that name change. Yeah. When was that? Probably 10 years ago. Probably. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Another <laughs> one of the many name changes. Oh, uh, yeah. Too many, man. Too many. So, anyway, um, obviously, we've got Jules, which is great. She has uh, still been involved in the background, as you well know, Stu, uh-huh. um, with, all, with this whole series that we've done. So, to put you on the spot, what did you enjoy the most out of all of our episodes? How many episodes have we had in this series, Stu? This is six, Ten. eh? Or five or six? Yeah, five. Five. Yeah. If, do we, if, we, if we count the intro as an episode, I think then we've got, we're on to six. Yeah. Hmm. Let's go with six. Six, six it is. Um. <laughs> she hasn't done her preparation. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, it's not that. Anyway. Oh, is it just you can't decide between can't, some yes, of these amazing yes, episodes? Yes, yes, I can't. Uh, I understand the problem, yeah. So, so much quality. <laughs> but I must say I did enjoy uh, this episode and talking to Katie, not only because uh, Tanzania is my home country, but just seeing that people are traveling again and that she had an amazing time. And, you know, usually when you ask to operators, uh, what is the best time to visit Tanzania? They would 
between March and May is usually not as recommended because it's the long rains. But speaking to Katie, she had an amazing time, actually. And she sometimes felt like she had the park to herself. The way she disseminated her trip, I think, was very, very good. But just, I mean, so great to to hear from someone who who works in the travel sector and who's just come back and is so fresh and motivated and, you know. Uh, so we we did cut quite a lot of really good stuff that she had, actually. So I think we'll get her back one day. She went into Arusha, which is Jules's hometown, and then went up into the Ngorogoro area and, and then up to Serengeti, basically. Checking on places, making sure that all the grease has been applied to the wheels, um, so to speak. And she also talked a little bit about the cultural activities, which is, as you know, sometimes a hit and miss. Um, yeah. Stu, your, your favourite? Your UK pub, I think. <laughs> she wants to listen to you out and about, face-to-face interview, you know, plus yeah. some beer. And then I also, obviously, because then he travelled travelled not long after that, which is quite nice, you know, it's nice to see it and follow it a bit online and on social media. Mm. What was yours, James? My favourite. Yeah. Um, I I enjoyed more putting it together, but the the travel show one where we did the Africa's Eden special, um, just because it got me excited about my imminent travel now to go to Indaba and our event in Mound. But also um, I like hearing voices from people on the ground in the destination. Mm. Um, remember that episode we did of... Um, so Dillo Hills with uh, climbing to the top of the, yeah. you know, the biggest hill. It's so fun putting together those uh, episodes where you, you know, you can hear the ground crunching and yeah. the sounds of the animals out there. I, I definitely would like to do more inspiring African travel stuff like that in the destination. We're going to take a break now um, before we start the next series. Next series will be... Um, I don't know. We need a spicy name for it. Um, our trips and our tips sounds a little cheesy. Tips and tips. Trips th- and, and tips. Tips, just... <laughs> tips from trips. <laughs> yeah, but it'll definitely be like a nice, a nice episode just to get us excited again about traveling and and talking about what we've done in the past and where we've been. The other option to throw it out there, Jules mentioned. Inspiring African travels, your questions answered. Nice. That's a good idea. You know, so throw it out there just to people like we can, we'll have to give them some sort of context, but to say, you know, what do you want to know? And we'll either apply our knowledge and experience or use what little knowledge we may have on that particular topic and interview someone. Who knows what they're talking about? Yeah, I mean, bring in a specialist, yeah. so to speak. Um, That's yeah, a great idea. Be. Your questions aren't. And we have enough followers and we have enough subscribers, I think, to to actually yeah, gather so. those questions, right? Yeah. 100%. <laughs> so we'll throw it out there. We'll do a yeah. social campaign and, and, and we'll give them the option of um, either our tips and our trips or is mm-hmm. it trips and tips? Tips, tips from trips. Tips from our <laughs> trips. Um, yeah. Either that, or we can go with your questions answered. Okay. Let's throw it out there and see what happens. Yeah. Want to thank again, Katie, 
we love Katie. She's brilliant, but she's got a very difficult name to pronounce and spell. Give it a go. I'll put it to you, Stuart. Um, <laughs> how do you spell Katie McDonoghue? McDonoghue? Mm. Well, that doesn't sound so difficult to, um, to say it, but that is a mouthful. Well, try and spell it. I'll give you 100 rand if you can spell that first time without, it's looking, be- without looking at your notes. <laughs> <laughs> look me in the eye. Look me in the eye. We can still look you in the eye and look at the notes. We look you in the eye, yeah. <laughs> it's it's got to be an MCD, right? Mick? 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 Yeah. Mick what? Yeah. Mick Don? Mac? Is it Mac or Mick? Mick. Mick. MC. it's got to be MC. Mm. With a capital D, right? We'll waiver your the, the capitals and non-capitals. We'll let you get away with that. I have no idea where to go from here. McDonough. D-O-N-A-H-U-G-H. Look, you've got okay, some of the letters right, but you know, the wrong complete shambles. <laughs> and that and her maiden name is is actually uh, is equally as challenging. Um, you can see there's some Irish in, in her in her yeah. background there. If she had a double barred surname, <laughs> that would be a mouthful. I like the way we're completely taking the piss, and she's not even here to defend yeah. herself. She can't defend herself. <laughs> Which all, all podcast introductions should be like this, where we can just really rip it into them. <laughs> Gives her more reason to share it, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's a great girl. We've um, Whenever we visit um, her offices, um, Explore Inc., um, she always opens up her, her home and her family. And uh, she lives in an amazing part of the world, in steamboats in Colorado, which is just like the most action-packed fun place to live in i reckon in the states full of snow and mountains and rivers and springs and good beer good food all right bud awesome man good to catch up yes it's Mm. lovely being part of it good give a hug to aiden and bron from us yes yeah all right we'll do later man cheers cheers Hello. How's it going? Hi. Hi, guys. Happy Easter. Thank you very much. Same to you. Hi, Julia. Hi. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks. Feeling quite, quite tired. <laughs> yeah, you guys have been partying today, huh? Yeah. Yeah, me more than Jules, but. And yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a weekend, right? Work hard, play hard. Damn straight. Mm-hmm. How are you guys? What's, what's the weather like out there? This is what we call mud season. It's between yeah. the winter and the spring when everything is melting, when the snow is like patchy and it's pretty gray, dreary today. Um, the whole, all the road, my roads, our trails, everything is just really muddy as the snow melts. I, I did something today that I swear I would never do since living in Africa. And that was uh, sat in the sun for an hour soaking up the rays. Oh, wow. I thought that felt lovely. It felt amazing. The weather's been beautiful. <laughs> it's I beautiful. Am bit, I am a little bit pink, though. Yeah, he, he's... <laughs> that he is. Can you see? Yeah. Look, ah, sun kiss. That's what I call sun kiss. <laughs> yeah, look, that sounds better. Yeah, with my shaved head, <laughs> I look like an English thug that's just been at a football match. They do make this magic lotion called sunscreen that you can put on and it, it prevents that. 
but get the vitamin D while you can. I know I could use a little sun too myself. So basically want to know, I mean, I know you've, you've been to a couple of pretty cool places since kind of lockdown faded away, but obviously this was your, your first trip back to Africa since before it um, was amazing. It was amazing. Um, it was so good to be back on the African continent. Um, I hadn't been in two and a half years, which is a really long time for me. Normally I go a couple, well, at least once, sometimes usually a couple times a year. So having not been there for quite a while, um, I was really felt like a return to a place that I love and that, you know, feeds my soul. And it was really fantastic. Um, and it went perfectly smooth. So there were no, um, no COVID related issues whatsoever. Um, it was great to feel like or to be re to be reminded of how wonderful travel is. Mm. But sometimes yeah. it's hard to forget when you're, you know, on the computer, on the administration side and the office dealing with travel during a pandemic um, has not been easy or fun. It's basically been a long, hard battle. And so to remember what the good is in what we're doing and why we do what we do. And um, I needed it everybody took a huge hit and it was a, it was a hard time for a long time. So to see the wheels moving again, um, to see the, the wheels moving and smoothly, I can say for sure that nobody in Tanzania that I met just sat and twiddled their thumbs for the last two years. They were working hard. They were being innovative. They were cleaning, they were building, they were using the time, um, wisely so and and effectively so i was really happy to see that i can see julia nodding here she's proud of her home country go, <laughs> go tanzania yeah yeah of course, yeah, was... of course. Uh, katie tell us you, we know through experience that going to these epic places and like ex doing these experiences you know like when you tell your friends that hey i'm going to tanzania on a on a work trip for a safari, they usually don't really believe it, you know? <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit more, like, because it is hard work, you know? So it's almost work hard, play hard kind of um, experience. I get a lot of kind of laughs, like, oh, right, a work trip, you know? Or, or I post yeah. a photo on social media of, you know, a beautiful scene or a lion cub or, you know, something, um, a moment of my trip. And it's hard for, um, to really convey how hard of work it actually is, but it is exhausting. Um, you know, I landed in Kilimanjaro and did five site inspections right away. I hadn't slept in two days. I was wearing, you know, my travel clothes. We just landed and, um, when visited a couple of wonderful properties that I had never seen before. And I was meeting with, with partners and, um, <laughs> you know, right off the plane, which we all know how fresh we feel when we get off a plane that, you know, it, it was over 36 hours worth of travel for me from home to Kilimanjaro and to just start right away with the business side of things was a little rough. The point is to, be better at my job and know more and really up the ante and in, in the information that I can, that I know so I can truly consider myself and call myself an expert in 
in this destination and people trust what I say because I have spent time there evaluating things on multiple levels. So there's a whole gamut of, of levels in there that all fit different clients and different budgets and um, apply to the apply to what I do. So I have to look at things um, from multiple lenses. Uh, people, when you're putting a trip together for them in Africa or wherever in the world, you know, it's great. When if you, if you just come back and you just say, oh, I just come back from Tanzania and this is this and this, that, ha- that happened. And then they're like, oh, yeah, she actually does know what she's talking about. Yeah, definitely. Um, it definitely gives you a lot more credit. <laughs> people, <laughs> you know, this was my 18th trip to Africa. Um, I am just incredibly fortunate, privileged to be able to say that because it's a spectacular continent. And when I was a little girl, I always dreamed of going to Africa. I never in a million years thought I would make it there 18 times, much less, you know, the many times that are still to come for me. So um, I feel very, very grateful for that. Tell us uh, more about Tanzania and how important it is as a destination for yourself or explore and how big is it like in comparison? You know, at Explore, we do about half of our business in East Africa. And I would say um, 60% of that includes Tanzania. Um, Not necessarily as a standalone destination, you know, a standalone itinerary. A lot of times we'll combine Tanzania with Kenya or combine Tanzania with Rwanda. Now that a lot of the COVID testing requirements have been dropped, we are more excited about combining countries again. Um, When there were really strict, you know, COVID testing requirements, we were a little bit more um, conservative in how many countries we want to include in an itinerary. And we're looking Mm. at like one, maybe two country itineraries. Now it's a lot more free again. So um, Tanzania is a fantastic combination with the gorillas, whether it's Uganda or Rwanda. And we do, we do a lot of that, um, a variety of kinds of itineraries, a lot of multi-generational families. Um, I think Tanzania has some really interesting lodges that are great for multi-generational families with different levels of activity and um, from the, you know, keeping the 12-year-old boys happy to the, you know, grandparents giving them a time to relax. So there's a lot of diversity there, but um, Tanzania. So this was my second trip to Tanzania, but I hadn't been in a really long time. The wide open spaces and the beautiful people, um, the people in Tanzania, the guides, the staff, um, Mm. everywhere we went, it it was just comfortable and friendly and really warm, welcoming experiences with the people in Tanzania. And that is one of the highlights for me. I've been chatting to a lot of the UK companies and they've been saying that East Africa is selling like hotcakes at the moment. I mean, I think Africa as a whole sounds quite appealing, as you say, the wide open spaces and getting in touch with real nature, um, I suppose. But is it, I mean, are you feeling that vibe as well? I think access is a little bit easier than in, Uh, say, Botswana, you know, your destination. It's a little, um, it's easier, you know, flying direct into Nairobi from mm. so many different hubs in Europe, the Middle East, even direct from the United States. Um, and I do think the testing requirements of, in Botswana and Southern Africa have been slower to drop. So I do think that has a big impact on it. And yeah, I, I agree with that sentiment. It does seem like 
East Africa um, has been a stronger destination for us recently. So uh, Arusha was your first stop, right? When you uh, yep landed yeah. in Kilimanjaro. Nice. And and what were you like? What did you think of it? It is like well again I'll be biased since it's my my hometown. And looking through your itinerary, I saw you stopped at Ma, uh, Villa Maua for a for a night. I've I've actually been there. I went I went there when I last visited, but not not for a site inspection or anything. I was just meeting some friends, and we had a couple of drinks by the pool and left. I hadn't I haven't seen the rooms. Um, but just to understand, like, do, you, do most of your guests stop in Arusha? Is it like? a destination in itself? Um, Unfortunately, I don't think it's really a destination in itself, which it very much could be. Um, You know, with my clients and particularly American travelers, they tend to be on a shorter, more condensed timeframe. So it does serve mostly as a logistical stop. Um, A lot of the airlines, you know, come in in the evening. You know, this was actually the first time I had heard of this villa. Um, which was beautiful. Um, I loved it. It, You know, the rooms were big and comfortable. The bed was super comfortable. When I left the United States, it was March 9th. And when I got to Tanzania, it was March 11th. And March 10th is my birthday. So I like missed my whole birthday in the air. Um, And when we got there, uh, the group that I was with, they we went out to dinner and um, had a proper birthday party. So I have to say I didn't sleep that well. There were some roosters next door. That were- <laughs> <laughs> That's quite typical. That's all quite, part of the Arusha uh, experience. Yeah, yeah. So true true to form. Um, but it was um, a beautiful place. So perfect place and very comfortable to stop and um, spend a night. Yeah. You see, you know, you go a work trip. You have to go out for dinner. <laughs> and after a 36-hour flight, listen to roosters. Jeez, tough. Eh? <laughs> tough. Tough, I know. So your trip was, did you go by vehicle everywhere? Did you drive everywhere? Mostly. Um, okay. I had two flights included. Okay, got you. But presumably you set off from Arusha and you drove into um, Tarangiri, yeah? Tarangiri, yep, correct. Nice, nice. And um, I, Sorry, I had to put, put this question out there because I only think of one thing when I think of Tarangiri and that's... Uh, it's tetsi flies because that's um i have to tell you the story okay because it was my first time to east africa and to tanzania on on safari and being the macho man from africa i was like either these tetsi flies i'm sure they're not that bad so um you know i I allowed myself to get bitten quite a few times and um as as we were progressing on the game drive (laughs) As these bumps started to appear on my elbows and then under my neck. <laughs> and I was like, I think I told the guy, I was like, I think I'm going to have to go back to camp. And then he looked at me and he was just like pedal and the camp manager was waiting and they just chucked antihistamines down. My entire body had swollen up. I um, literally thought I was going to die. Yeah. They're nasty little buggers. They are worse than I expected for sure. And Oof. I agree with you, uh, Tarangiri. You know, it's 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 a bummer because Tarangiri is a beautiful park, and they're not everywhere either. Like we were in some places, and there were no tatsy flies. You know, but then you go through like a little patch, and our guide was great. He he said 
okay, this area has bad tetsies and we closed up the vehicle. Um, and it was one of the few times in my life that I've been very grateful for being in a closed vehicle on safari. Mm-hmm. Normally I'd rather be in an open vehicle, but Terengary, always a closed vehicle. Yeah. I, they didn't bother me that much. I got bit a few times and it, it hurt when they bit and was itchy, but I didn't find I had a serious adverse reaction, but they were pretty intense. I have yeah. Say. Apparently like about 20% of people have a fairly bad reaction, but once you know, you know, that you do, you stop being an idiot like myself. Um, you actually, as you say, yeah, you, you can actually avoid them quite easily. And, uh, and also precautionarily, you know, I, I I would then take a antihistamine, you know, like Mm -hmm. in the morning and then I I was, I was fine. So they, they are, it's, um, this is one of those things you have to warn your travelers, don't you about them? I will now. Yeah. I was was taken back. I was taken by surprise on that. I was not as prepared myself as I would have liked to have been. So, yeah. but it's a gorgeous place, eh? Tarangiri. Gorgeous place. Yeah. Really beautiful. My, my memories are a bit different from, from yours, James. Well, you went there for school trips. Oh, even I think because it's apart from the Russian National Park, it's the next park that's the closest. So when we had guests coming or just long weekends that, Tarangira was the most, I think I've been to that park the most than anywhere else. Oh, wow. So minus childhood memories and taking guests there on day trips, because you can even do a day trip from from Arusha. So we would leave, set off early in the morning, pack our picnic bags and come back in the the evening. Yep. Mm. Right, you're up, Jules. I'm up. Yeah. What? What? Gibbs Farm. (laughs) Gibbs. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. that's, that's Jules, yeah. That's Gib- Jules. Gibbs Farm. Is that the question? Gibbs? <laughs> no, it's a, no ta- that's it. I don't okay. even know what the question is anymore. Because... Okay, tell us more about you, Gibbs Farm, because um, it's like I was reading up on it. I've never been there, and they seem quite sustainable, and they have like coffee plantations and. What did you think of it? It far, it blew me away. It far exceeded my expectation. I've had many clients go there. It's a really good property base in the Karachu area where you can access, you know, Terragiri, the crater and Gibbs Farm is so beautiful. Um, it actually backs up against um, the Ngorongo crater boundary. So there's no other development above it um, except into the crater. You know, it's, it's forest and the conservation area behind it. And it's these individual cottages um, that are just spectacular, gorgeous, huge, very, very um, classic uh, decorated. It was just really very elegant and beautiful. It has a huge 10 acre farm that they grow. Almost everything that they serve in the lodge is grown there from the milk and the eggs and they make cheese. Is it a stopover kind of place or, or is it like a place that you actually send people to, to stay? No, we send people to stay there. Um, I've had usually, I've had clients stay three nights. That's the wow. maximum, usually two or three. I mean, you wouldn't go there just for one night stopover. It's okay. way too nice to, for that. You would feel terrible leaving. Um, we went for a bike ride through Karatu, the villages outside of Karatu, our guide um, from Gibbs Farm. We went and just rode these great mountain bikes, um, which after traveling and being in the vehicle for the whole day, 
Um, it was nice to get, you know, the blood pumping and my body moving and beautiful pool. It's about food. Um, they have an artist in residence and I actually bought a painting there that I don't have yet because it's um, being framed, but I bought a painting from the artist in residence there. He had some really fantastic pieces. Um, so I, I like to purchase art directly from the artists themselves if I can. And they give you that opportunity there. But, but if you're there for two, three or four nights even, then you could do a day trip to the Ngorongo Crater. You could do a day trip to Lake Manyara. Um, you can do, you can get to Lake Ayasi from there in a day mm. trip. So it's perfectly located to access a lot of those diverse um, regions in, um, in Northern Tanzania. Nice. And nice to get a bit of a local vibe. Yeah. And so you mentioned uh, going to Ngorongoro as, a, as a, a day trip from Gibbs Farm, but obviously, I mean, did, you stayed there on the edge of the crater. Yes. And was it cool? How's it looking there? It is a wonder of the world for sure. The Ngorongoro crater, there is nothing like it on the planet. It is so spectacular. Yeah. Um, I went to the Ngorongoro crater, my first trip to Tanzania, again, very long time ago, and I went during peak or high season. So my, my recollection of the Ngorongoro crater before this trip was not so positive. It was of the, the line of vehicles, you know, a lot of vehicles surrounding one animal in the crater, um, a little bit jaded by the amount of traffic this time it being March, which is the beginning of low season. I bet we saw 10 vehicles in the crater the whole day. That's amazing. That is, amazing. Which was a, it was amazing. Um, and, you know, with 25,000 resident animals in the crater, they, the density of wildlife just blew my mind. Anybody who really wants to go to the crater should go in off season, should go in March, should go in late November. It was just really stunning. We saw a jackal chase, hunt, kill a two hour old baby gazelle. Whoa. Wow. And eat it right in front of its mom, which was hard to watch, but also mother nature at her most brutal and beautiful. <laughs> yeah, man. I just remember the changes in habitats. You know, one minute you're in this ancient acacia woodland and then you come out onto a open grasslands and savannas and then, oh, and there's a salt, salt lake with flamingos. It's just like. It's this like the Garden unreal. of Eden. Yeah. It's amazing. It is. It is the Garden of Eden and so much diversity. Yeah, yeah I honestly was uh, blown away by it. Yeah. Like you say, it's just an epic wonder of the world. You have it to is. see it. You have to yeah, see it's it. It's one of the, you must tick off the bucket list. Yeah. Mm. We're too cool for bucket lists. So <laughs> you just got to see it. You just got to see it. <laughs> you mentioned that you did a few cultural interactions. Um, tell us more about that. And like, what, what, did you, what did you like or find special? I had two of the best cultural interactions and cultural experiences that I've ever had on this trip. They were two of the highlights of the trip for sure. But I think the highlights of all of my time in Africa as well. Um, the... I went to Mweba Lodge in the southern, way south of the Serengeti. Um, and the Hadzabe the walk, uh, Hadzabe walk, or we went into the forest and met a group of Hadzabe who are, as you are well aware of, um, 
nomadic uh, yeah. and hunter gatherers. And we went and gathered wild bush honey with them, um, which was just fascinating. Um, and I have to say, you know, I'm pretty picky about cultural experiences or I'm very critical of cultural experiences because I think they can be done really well and I think they can be done really poorly. And it matters what the relationship is between the community and the um, tour operator um, and the guest. You know, I, I don't think people are a tourist attraction is what I'm trying to say. I don't think you can consider people a site or a tourist attraction. Um, and I don't ever want to approach it like that. So the way that I look at um, these kinds of experiences, and one of the reasons that this is, again, quote, a work trip, is that you, I evaluate um, the reciprocity in these kinds of experiences. They are the most joyful people um, I've ever had the pleasure of being in their company. Um, they were truly joyful and it had nothing to do with us, just their own presence within them, yeah, within yeah. their, within their, um, their group who they, you know, are with, they were laughing and smiling and just truly a very joyful experience. Um, and that was incredible, um, with, you know, a, a group of people with so few possessions, the joy that they radiated was, um, really inspiring and one of the and it was uplifting for me just to be in their presence and how did you communicate with them was there a guide or, or a translator yes we had a guide from legendary expeditions who was with us um and he was wonderful there one of their members one of the hadzabe spoke some swahili and our guide communicated with him in swahili okay and did you find honey we did find honey well done. Yes. Did, did well, you bring any home? I can't say we. I had nothing to do with it. Um, <laughs> they found honey. They're very intentional about how they gather the honey. Um, you know, they smoke out the bees, of course, and then, but they don't take the whole honeycomb. They leave a, a majority or a part of it um, so that the honey can re or so that the bees can rejuvenate the hive. Otherwise, if they take the whole hive or they take all the honeycomb, then it kills the hive completely. And so it was delicious. Yeah, we we ate fresh honey right out of the tree. Um, yeah, it was amazing. You just put the whole honeycomb in your mouth and suck out the honey and then spit out the waxy part. Proper, proper honey eating. Proper honey eating. None of this like jar and a spoon thing. You just no. pull it out of the tree. Stick it in your mouth, cover yourself in sticky honey, um, <laughs> which then you use the dew on the grass to wash your hands with okay. um, to get the honey off your hands. And that's wild bush honey. It was it was it was amazing. That's uh, brilliant. I could do with some Serengeti time myself, actually. Yeah. Right now, listening to all of this. Can't wait. Yeah. When are you headed back? I'm going next two weeks time back to bots. Okay. Um, well, well, off to South Africa for Indaba and then back to Botswana. Um, you know, it's a, work, it's a work trip, lots to do. I was just vicariously living there in the moment in the Serengeti, sitting there. I would love to be there right now. Yeah. I mean, there's something soothing about the bush. Mm. Very much so. Yeah. Well, Katie, you, you really uh, thoroughly answered the questions really about if the destinations are ready and um, sounds like everything, I mean, wildlife and everything is obviously as it is, but the 
people are ready the lodges are switched on i mean it is it's ready to ready to rock i mean there's nothing to wait for really anymore is there absolutely not and i think the longer you wait the less likely you are to have the kind of privacy and exclusivity that i really was incredibly fortunate to get so um, 100% the lodges are ready, the people are ready, the guides are ready, you know, the, the infrastructure, the tourism infrastructure is there, and the people have worked really hard uh, on all sides of the industry to get through this difficult time and to, to come out shining and to come out ready and to come out better and stronger. One of the things that makes me so proud to be in the role that I'm in is when I can work with operators who retained all of their staff through the pandemic. Um, the executive teams took pay cuts in order to support the, um, the workers and the locals and the foundation projects, you know, so uh, retaining and keeping the staff and um, treating their people with dignity and respect in light of huge financial hardship um, those are the kinds of conversations that I like to have when I'm over there to really see who values their staff and their people. Um, and if I, you know, I can, I can glean a lot from conversations with staff, with management, with, um, you know, all kinds of people, I get a sense of which companies do I want to partner with moving forward because of the way that they have taken care of their people. Because those lodges, those operators are ready um, and they're better than ever. It's the ones that didn't do that that are going to struggle big time to get back up to par to host guests. Yeah. Well, you nailed it, Katie. You're an absolute natural at this. <laughs> this is my first podcast ever. Ah, oh, man. Well, I think you were our first uh, podcast subscriber. Yeah. No, that's not true. I think there were like four or five before me. <laughs> <laughs> you should have taken it, Katie. <laughs> Taking the first. No, I was a little late to the game. I started listening about six months late. You have a lot of great podcasts out there. So I've really enjoyed, enjoyed this. And um, I love listening to your podcasts. And I'm so honored you asked me to be a part of this. Just nice to chat to you anyway, Katie. But obviously... Fresh out of Africa, going back to Jules's home country. I think she's a little bit yeah. nostalgic. I was sending Katie messages going, I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I feel very grateful that I got to do that. So, um, And I was thinking about, about you, Julia, when I was there. And I mm. was um, thinking about the beautiful pictures that I've seen of your wedding in Arusha. Um, yes. Or near Arusha that you had. Yeah. And I... I wonder, I thought to myself, I wonder where that is. So I didn't get to, didn't get to go there, but um, I was thinking about that while I was there. It was um, your wedding and what a fun time that looked like it was. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much. All right. Thanks. Have Bye. a good Sunday. Cheers. You too. Cheers. Bye-bye. Yep. There it is. Katie, you are a legend. Thank you for dedicating bit of time of your Easter weekend to chat to us and thank you all for listening. We really have been touched by the messages and the support that is going along with our volume of subscribers creeping up every every week so we enjoy it uh, actually so hope you're enjoying it just as much as we are. We will be back in early June with the first episodes of the next series so 
keep in touch with us on the social medias. Uh, we will be posting every now and then over there. And yeah, if you've enjoyed this episode, please do share it. Just with, even if it's one person who you think might like it, every little new listen and new subscription we get helps our rankings tick along so that we can hopefully bring you more of this good stuff. So thanks again for listening. Thanks for sharing and enjoying, and we will catch you soon. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.